The format of today's conversation and questions will be in such a warm, pleasant manner. In turn, I will try to accomplish one of my tasks, which is to convey to you Imram's personality, all sides of his character, his life. I don't know whether it will work out or not. Rather, I'm certain it will not, but let's try to do it. We've known each other for at least 25 years, if not longer, and we remain friends. Give or take, give or take, yes. Yes, I tell my closest friends and people I've met about you. But it's hard for me to get to the point in a short amount of time. I have to use certain phrases or descriptions to try to keep it short and succinct to explain who Imram is. Help me out here. To put it briefly, we might describe him as a person who began to live a different life. What this life consists of directly is going to be a source of inspiration for people. For example, what's it all about? Well, he's a musician. A musician, that's why, yet all musicians, a lot of them, have ordinary lives. I wouldn't say, by the way, that it's a typical life. It is an unusual life. Because a true musician is someone who thinks differently in general. Right. You still have to become one. But if a person lives a different life, then the first image people may have is that of antisociality of some kind. Well, you might put it that way. Different, what kind of life will come to mind right away? Because another life is a concept. There is a social aspect and there is still another. Absolutely. Completely different and different from everyone else. Why? I'll explain. That's because it's an inner state. Let's say, for example, you discovered that I were a monk. Well, a number of stereotypes that most people have about monks would have come to mind. Yes, the vast majority of individuals simply live a reclusive life. Yes, reclusive life is an internal state. A monk in a secular world is somewhat different, yes? Musician, artist, even a musician, maybe a classical musician, or maybe some kind of hip-hopper. Stereotypes and labels, or as they more commonly refer to behavioral patterns, are continuously being constructed in our minds. And in principle, let them do so. I mean, an individual in the widest sense of the word actually does it. Each person might find his or her own image in the composition that I write, for example. After all, I don't give a description of the composition that emerges. What I would want people to see there, I'm not interested. Individuals have a universal approach, that is, their own attitude to this. It's diverse on its own, the entire world. That's why there's different life. And if a person wishes to fit into this concept or another life, then let him piece together his puzzles about what or who he is looking at. Okay, where did you begin living a new life? Were you born into a different life already? That is, if you were born in another life, it turns out that it wouldn't be another life. As such, there should be a certain stage in your life, a particular moment, a time when you advanced to a higher level or began living differently. In reality, I occasionally joke when people ask me, how did you come to this? I didn't get away from it, I always reply. They say, well, how? In this regard, consider the following example. You can never step into the same river twice. 
Because the water is different each time. The river flows, we collide with new water molecules each time. But this is the river, it has only one name, a river. The river is life, yet it is continually changing. So to say that I am in this world, or in that world apart from this, from that, how I came to it, therefore I have departed from somewhere, is incorrect. We are always in the same location, but each time is unique. It seems to be clear, but at the same time, it is incomprehensible. If you explain to a common man, well, we are all commoners, but our perception of such categories differ. To put it another way, if we imagine that the young Imram was conscious, internal, and had certain internal prerequisites even before this, at the ages of 9, 10, and 11, Got you. Indeed, there was quite a lot of that going on. That's what kept me going. But I've forgotten a range of information. And thank God, since there are some aspects you don't have to remember, they inquire about ways to discover past lives. Tell me, how, help me. And maybe you can meditate to discover who I was in a previous life. I respond with a counter-question. And if you do find out, will it make you happy? A person immediately feels tense. There might be some suspicions. What if perhaps something unpleasant can happen? It is always possible for it to be both. It all relies on how an individual views this. What I mean is that Imram, he certainly differs from who he is today, at least outwardly. But his fundamental core remains the same. And if a person remembers this, that is what happiness really is. There were flashes of consciousness, for example, as a child. I told my parents what I saw. In response, they told me that I was exhausted, that I should rest, that I only imagined it, and so on. In reality, and it seemed strange to me that they couldn't see it because it was so real. Therefore, I stopped talking about these subjects, since I recognize that this is a private moment for me. As a result, they began to refer to me as a dreamer. I stopped fantasizing with them. Or, to put it another way, I stopped being such an entertainer. And when did it stop? When I didn't have time to devote a lot of time to the outside world, because my internal activities were so important. And my close relatives started telling me, you used to be funny, but now you've distanced yourself. You're not with us. You used to make us all happy, cheery, joking. And now I say, this is another form of joy, but this inner joy is greater. Of course, it is vital to consider external circumstances and to respect the laws of the country in which you live. After all, it is a social existence. Consider how, in describing how this occurred directly in your life, you began to use the concept of reincarnation or rebirth. Despite the fact that you were born in Dagestan, during Soviet times, in a region where the ethnic religion is Islam, which does not fundamentally support reincarnation. And during Soviet times, when, let us say, the attitude towards such high-minded categories was generally, my father was a communist. Right. It has been boosted up. But how did it all mix together like this? 
And what were the prerequisites for why you were born in this place? I continue the question. The matter is that the Caucasus is a unique region. This is not to diminish the dignity of other locations. The Caucasus is a very powerful concentration of spiritual power and strength. When a person is born, he is born according to some inner states or inner attitudes. The level of consciousness is the energy of attraction. And that's why I chose the Caucasus, because there are mountains there, there's a mysticism there. Did you consciously choose the Caucasus? The soul always selects consciously. But when a person is born, he forgets and gets into circumstances. These circumstances. I believe Dagestan is a Soviet Republic where Islam existed and still exists. There is Christianity, there is Judaism, and there are a great number of interesting individuals, particularly remarkable people who are very creative. And when I conducted a seminar in St. Petersburg in 2004, a number of well-known individuals were startled that I was from Makhachkala, Dagestan. How are you even able to live there? There, they inquire. I had to explain that in our Dagestan, as part of Russia, first of all, I am not an individual who is bound to any area, that my consciousness is not bound to any place. But I adore any part, as they say, of our big boundless earth. Because earth is where souls are today, certain souls. However, Dagestan itself, I'm referring to the fact that there is a large number of people there who are generally unique. Those geniuses have, in fact, altered the course of history, but few people know about them. They are so modest that they don't need for many people to know about them, they just do their job. Additionally, the Caucasus, not just Dagestan, but in general, is a unique zone. It is the focal point of spiritual strength. In this regard, I was lucky. This was probably because the level of consciousness or vibration of the soul responded to this. However, once I discovered that I had previously lived in Tibet, in the Himalayas, everything became clear to me. Do you mean that the mountains are close anyway? The Caucasus is the same as the Himalayas, only younger. In fact, the vibrations are very similar. Even the way of life is similar. If we consider the Lesgins, who lived four kilometers above sea level, they basically have the same food, ration, cuisine in general, and lifestyle as the Tibetans. Because the conditions are the same, and the culture and songs are similar. As I take it, you don't internally confine your views, your feelings, your worldview to the framework of a certain religion, right? I'm not religious at all. Right. Accordingly, in this life, knowing you, I was leading up to this, and you read my mind. But at the same time, you are with God, in God. And how do you explain that to someone who has just saw you on TV? He wonders who he is, it's very difficult here, he was born in Dagestan, he talks about incarnations, he looks like... Well, let people complete the picture themselves. How do you describe yourself in terms of this complex categories relationship? 
And by how much? Let's start with this part of the question and then we'll move on. There are several categories of consciousness. It all depends on what level of consciousness a person is at. There are people who know nothing about God. They know what they need in this life. This is a survival system. That is to say, this is the level of consciousness that came to Earth, and it is usually comprised of young souls who are preoccupied with survival at the expense of others. You can witness this picture everywhere. The second level of consciousness is for individuals who are already aspiring to certain mystical energies. Although mysticism in this sense is a rather spiritual term, I would say they strive for fakirism or some attributes that enable them to be, say, stronger previous ones. This is the same form of survival. The third level of consciousness is religious consciousness, when people have already suffered and realized that no single force can provide them with what they need for survival, or when they realize that there is some kind of force that constantly provides them with life, they began to refer to it as God. These are religious people and they are in it. In this fear, in this distance from that supreme being. And the fourth level is yogis, who are not religious figures. This is not a religion, this is not a set of directions, this is a condition of being. Yoga is translated as aspect of unity. Here I would characterize this level as unity. It's what you are asking about in this case, apart from some confessions, in connection to certain directions and systems, while retaining respect for them. To all of this, we must accept and learn to accept everything, even if we don't like it. But the yogi is so in unity with everything that is to be, with everything that is the one that exists. If we're talking about God, He is all in all, the unified presence in everything, and therefore He exists in both good and bad. When did you realize that you were a yogi? And did you have these levels? It is clear that we will turn the page on the first two levels. Have you been a religious person? Of course, I still am, as yoga contains part of the religion. Without worshipping the high within you, you are not a yogi. Which religious school are you most attached to? Unity without intermediaries. This is the condition in which you do not oppose any aspect of your consciousness against the one from whom you are striving, but rather seek yourself in the one for whom you are striving, and the one who is inside you. This is the principle of unity. In yoga, it's called samadhi. We will get back to samadhi. That is an interesting topic. Meanwhile, I know that you knew quite well, studied and mastered the ritual side of almost all major religions, Islam, Christianity. Yes, because I have initiation into all of them. It speaks to the fact that I respect and love them all very much. At the same time, I recognize how primitive, in some cases, everything is, how deep everything could be, if only people would go further then this religion would become a very powerful mechanism for advancement. That is, not becoming caught up in ceremonialism, but moving into more subtle spheres of perception. But it's only a matter of time. However, you mean mystical knowledge. 
direction or continuity. When you refer to Islam, Sufism or mystical schools, right? Mystical schools, similar mystical orientations within the same religious groups. There is a mystical component to these concerns. It exists, but it is concealed. In general, if we touch in some educational systems, for example, this is also schooling. Education about the mystical side of things, mystical schools, are also education, a person learns, and it is not always limited to school or external social life. If we touched on this issue, there are two categories. What we need to accomplish in the second hidden part of these issues is how to do it. I always separate religion into two parts, as well as yoga. Suppose there is a list of what we need to do, we know what we need to do, we do it. But how to do it? This is already a personal initiation. So if we are discussing how to properly record music, for example, how to properly use music applications, this is a technical issue, technological. However, we know what we need to record. But on how to do it, a person, the master, should instruct us. As a result here, here in relation to the Master and in relation to... You began by discussing yoga. For the majority of viewers, you are master of Kriya Yoga. No, you were talking about yoga. Well, let's just say I started talking about it, but you articulated it. What I'm getting at is that for the majority of people who are prone to stereotypes, a yogi is a skinny, wiry someone who is always sitting in an extremely difficult position. But for people to be able to understand what a yogi is, what is Kriya Yoga, yoga is currently undergoing a significant transformation because of the fact that, for example, there is a large body of water, perhaps an ocean, and a leak occurred, allowing a large amount of dark liquid or oil to enter. Somebody has to clean it all up, so there are services that purify water, save fauna and flora and so on, some kind of green piece. As a result, yoga requires a green piece, because what is happening now with yoga is a tragic misunderstanding. There are some terms I've never even heard of. This synthesis, symbiosis, and what's interesting is that it's being called yoga and it's all presented as being very proper. But in reality, it's an influence, corrupting Western influence. I'm not against the West as people, but I am against the system. I mean, it changes people's minds in the direction of primitivism. Is it being done on purpose, or do amateurs in a pretty cover make money, or is it straightforwardly deliberate? Making money is also a job for some. Now, in principle, and you know, and our audience both know, that anyone can teach anything just by wrapping it up elegantly, setting up a website, occasionally on Instagram. It's now fashionable in its time of life coaches, masters and teachers at the moment. On the one hand, it's not so bad, maybe, but how do we recognize the master if you take yoga specifically? How do we understand? Let's get back to the fact that this issue is vast. I would conclude with an explanation of what yoga is, in fact, as I perceive it. Yoga is a very complex process of unity with your higher self, that is, who you really are. That is, for starters, getting to know yourself. 
If we consider what is provided today, under the pretext of yoga, we see that it is essentially the same ceremonialism but delivered extremely primitively. People do not understand simple concepts, and many yoga instructors don't even know anatomy. What can we talk about? Yoga is breathing, it is consciousness. It is not just a physical body. As for genuine yoga, we are referring to the road to cosmic consciousness. And this path to cosmic consciousness lies through many levels. We have portals, there are different portals. The physical body is also a portal. Let us begin by explaining what cosmic consciousness is, so that viewers far from it don't change the channel or start watching some weird music video. How does a person perceive it? Why should he strive for cosmic consciousness? For people who don't know what cosmic consciousness is, there are no words to explain it. But I can say that cosmic consciousness is an ever-new feeling of joy. Because a person generally asks, what is this and why do I need this? I mean, he is relying on curiosity, curiosity or sensations which are pleasant and comfortable. Thus, I can say that for people who rely on or live by these feelings of I like it or I dislike it, that this is a really comfortable state, meaning it is such a cool source of enjoyment. Absolutely correct. And it's constantly new, never-ending, and you never get tired of it. It never becomes cloyingly sweet, so to speak. Ever new joy. It never becomes cloy. At the same time, people begin to feel confident in the future in this state, simply because they are today. In general, it appears to me, now we will resume where we left off. However, given the pattern of the time, taking into account the economic world situations. If we consider Russia, it appears to me that it is depressive and heavy, and that there is a desire to find inside, somewhere, to find the source of this joy. So this all does not put you under pressure. Well, first of all, it is necessary to change the form of clothing, because people are in black. Now it has become fashionable. There are many films on this subject. But people wear mostly black. Why? Few people wear colored, few people wear beautiful, bright white, after all, mostly grey, mostly black. Well, it's kind of difficult. You're in a bad mood, you're all depressed, and you open the closet and you don't have anything at all, you don't want to wear anything. Then the person must walk naked. This is better than wearing black. Because when an individual wears one loincloth, as yogis do, the sun rays nourish much faster. It turns out that this is not the case, that one should wait for a good mood before putting on colored items, but rather to put it on and... There is no such thing as mood enhancement. Individuals go shopping to ease tension. But that is not what we are discussing. However, when you enter a store and you see nothing but black, black, black in various configurations, what is there to look at? What will make you different? Everybody wants to stand out in some way or another, don't they? However, you can stand out in an unusual manner, or can stand out... It is only referred to as black or grey. By black, I mean precisely states of consciousness, this obscuration. But clothes, of course, too, it's a vibration. What we wear affects us. If a person lacks energy, he sometimes puts on red clothes, unconsciously. But it's like flogging a dead horse. But holistically, you advise to achieve cosmic consciousness through Kriya Yoga. For me, Kriya Yoga is a universal knowledge. It is a holy science. It is precisely 
science. Kriya Yoga is a way to create a laboratory within yourself in which you become a very good scientist. You observe yourself, you realize yourself, you transform yourself. When, say, we score a goal while playing football, what happens to the team that wins? They rejoice. And that inner joy is a boundless source of this joy, which is always inside us. It is waiting for its time. All of this can be awakened and should be awakened. And what's most intriguing, What's most amazing is that you are absolutely free from joy itself too at the moment. That is, you are in a state of detachment, not indifference, which enables you to constantly be strong within yourself. Be confident that nothing will ever happen to you, whether it be your inner or outer self. That's because people are aware about many things in advance. However, immortality occurs when you are certain of yourself on the inside. When the yoga principle I am is seen as a constantly novel state of I am presence, when a person ascends to a higher level, he attains cosmic consciousness. He realizes that he is not bound by this body or this space, he is an infinite being. It generates a very strong sensation within, a very strong feeling of unending delight. It's an enduring sensation. You know such immortality is possible when you are largely detached from your mortal shell, when you're at least not the immortality of your body. No, there is also immortality of the body. There are so many teachers who demonstrate this. What's more, I'll tell you, the world will now live longer. Lifespan is increased for at least 10 to 15 years. This is a trend. Why? Due to the increased energy which is transforming energy. People's consciousness is shifting. When people's consciousness changes, their cells come to life. In the normal state, they sleep. That is, they do not even use their resource. Have you noticed that you look young for your 140, let's say? I hope so. Well, okay. Take it as it is. I agree. You see, you agreed. But there are many who argue, yes, no, to me, why? No, I also say occasionally that it appears to me that every individual inwardly is glad to hear it. Of course, yes, but it's not just to please you. I'm always pleased to assist you in this regard, as they say, but I'm referring to the fact that people lower the bar. Babaji, the immortal Himalayan saint who has demonstrated several thousand years of life, in an ordinary body, and before that has appeared in various other bodies and lived a long life, since he is the avatar. He, as a student, one of the students, I mentioned this at the seminar, his name is Leonard Orr, he's a famous man. He also deals with the problem of immortality. He released one book. I haven't really read it, but I've looked through it. A very good title that says a lot, Breaking the Death Habit. I mean, there are some social programs that prescribe us a shortened lifespan. Because even 150, 200 years ago, people lived steadily for more than 100 years and could have children at 130. They were absolutely active. This was just recently, but we completely overlook what we had. Everything is forgotten and everything is rewritten. There are centenarians, long livers in the Caucasus. There is a video on this subject. It is not a fiction, it is true. So why are people living poorly now? First of all, thinking. Improper use of one's breathing potential, which is the energy that is given into life. For a long lifetime, by the way, and nutrition.
As far as I can tell, the Kriya Yoga complex is not merely a set of exercises, but it is also, in principle, a way of life. It is the philosophy of life. It's an all-inclusive on all the points you mentioned, and Kriya is action. Kriya can be translated as action. Babaji gave the name Kriya, it is just an action, but it is not just an action from the point of view of ordinary perception, it embraces everything totally everything, permeating the consciousness and containing the potent force of the principle of unity with itself all in one motion. I'm holding my finger like this, holding my hand like this. I'm aware why I'm doing this. I am present in this. It's the simplest thing a person can do, but when you realize that your body, in which you are virtually unlimited, is a concentration of the spiritual power, even in a rigid form, meaning that this energy is compressed. But if this energy is released now, we transform into pure light that fills all space. Consciousness is not limited by anything. We are indeed this consciousness. Why limit yourself to attachment to what completely limits you? Your ego, let's say. The ego personality as such restricting you, because it is brought up by the five senses. If you are not this, then who are you? Kriya Yoga is just the way to know who you really are beyond this limitation. When a person meditates, he enters this level. But why do you need to know yourself, to know who you are? To stop being scared or to stop being yourself, to stop being who you are now, as you referred to yourself, when you look in the mirror. You unknowingly say to yourself, I am Ilyas, who is like this right now. In fact, you are not like that, you are completely different. If we talk about what your mirror emits, it's what your brain perceives. But does the mirror really give off what your brain perceives? You might be different. Because in your own eyes you are one, but in my eyes you are another. And it's no longer true. If we talk about who we really are, then we need to learn to see beyond the limits of ordinary perception. Your own perception, full of stereotypes of some narrow-mindedness? Yes, even our scientists already say that the brain perceives relying on past information. Apple, you instantly have a feeling. Due to experience, you get persistent data from the memory cache and immediately bring it to the forefront, but that's not it. Sounds like some kind of server. Yes, yes, it turns out that only children, not conditioned, not intentionally living, can see the world in its pure form. Now, in order for a viewer who is not prepared for all these complex categories, these are very simple things, right? If we bring it all down, let's say, to a simple formula, Kriya Yoga allows you to objectively perceive the world, yourself, the world in yourself, in order to come in the end, let's say, through a real look. How is it all? In order to be healthy and not take pills. I'm kidding, of course. Health is a side effect. In general, I believe that diseases do not exist. There are changes in the body. Kriya Yoga is needed in order to be happy, put it this way. Right, probably so. And happiness does not begin with the pursuit of adventure for the sake of entertainment. Happiness begins when you are at peace, perceiving yourself, your true nature. It is a completely different state. It's a quiet joy. But you can definitely definitely do something there. Imram, to give people an idea of what Kriya Yoga is, as I see it, it's a complex of certain 
It's a straightforward psychophysical method. How much time do you have to devote during the day, 24 hours a day? Just like that? Yes. Now many will get scared and switch the channel, many have already switched. Yes, that's fine. The point is that there are people who practice passively, and there are people who practice actively. Active practitioners are those who search for themselves in life and work with themselves every second. So, for example, where is your assemblage point when you're sitting? You're listening to me, trying to understand, and your assemblage point is here. So your consciousness is in the front brain, watching what I say in case I say something. For example, that doesn't fit into the all-seeing eye of this camera and the microphone. You are trying to understand, and your energy is in the frontal lobe. But at this moment, being here, you believe you are sufficiently aware because you are present. In me, Ilya, suppose I am listening, I understand myself. However, you are not restricted by this body. You also have an emotional body that is somewhat larger. And the next nesting doll, the mental body, there is an enormous nesting doll. You are referring to individuals who live in this world, to those who are continuously learning and Imagine that you are speaking with me, sitting on a couch in practice, and you have realized that you are a deity, hypothetically. Let's say metaphorically, you are the Godhead who keeps an eye on Ilias while he interacts with Imram. Who would you like to be at this moment? Are you the one who came out of me? Are you asking him? Imagine that you are the deity who created Ilias, who communicates with Imram. I would like to remain a deity. Right, so your assemblage point is no longer in the frontal brain. Well, yes. Consider that you created this deity as well, but larger, more broad, much more universal. Would you want to be an ordinary deity? The ego would say, no, no, that is correct. Just as Ilyas and Imram do not wish to be in the body of a dog now, due to the dog's significant restrictions, despite the fact the dog is man's best friend, just as the dog at its level would not agree to be as a cat or a mouse, and a mouse would not wish, and has no concept of what a privilege it is to be a man. Absolutely correct. Therefore, if a person wishes to comprehend who he truly is, he must cease being a mouse, cat, a dog, Imram or Ilyas, and instead become God, which requires practice in self-development. This is an internal process. I understand. Sorry for narrowing it down. Narrowing and expanding at the same time. And making the information more specific. It's just a process. You stated that there are two ways to practice Kriya. When you are truly immersed in it for 24 hours. And when there is a sort of introductory level for beginners. I'll tell you this, I'm sorry if I interrupted, there is a tendency in a person's life. There are people who don't need anything. They are either asleep or dead, despite the biological body still living. By death I mean namely the absence of creative life. There are people souls inquisitive, inquisitive minds, curious people, interesting ones. Meaning, this is all a tendency of consciousness, a manifestation of consciousness. I have always been bored of living without doing anything, and this is an inner state. I've always been curious to explore what's next. There is some secret, as Pinocchio said, and pierced the hearth with his nose. 
It's a door to another dimension. In fact, this film or cartoon is a direct indication that the door to the happiness that we strive for is nearby. Yes, first of all was always nearby, that it is an inner state. And then an ordinary boy can become the one who will lead a large number of people to a state of joy and pleasure. Look, for most it's yoga. Uh, again, for most people, in order to start fully practicing Kriya, for instance, Kriya, or rather, definitely Kriya, excuse my for instance, let it be so, there are different directions out there. You need to teach yourself, or rather limit yourself in many ways. That is, it's not just you who learn something and start doing something. Well, do you still have to decide on something? Limit yourself in something? Yoga is the principle of non-violence. Yoga contains five universal facts or five pearls of the so-called five values. Yoga is the path to truth. Yoga is, well, respectively, there is vegetarianism, if this is the first path to non-violence. Yes, let's take the philosophical part first in order to isolate it from later. That is, the desire for truth, this knowledge, who I am in this life and what is life in me. Yoga is also righteousness. It is a duty to oneself, to loved ones at first. Then when a person comes to a very high understanding, he realizes that there is a responsibility to his life. Life is also a living thing. In this there is unconditional love, peace, calmness. This is yoga, in essence, and non-violence, neither in thoughts nor in actions. Therefore, when people practice yoga, they very often go to extremes. He immediately abruptly quits eating meat, for example. This is his choice, it may be right, but he must take into account biochemistry. That is, there should be no violence. This is me answering the questions. Deprivations create life forces. Look what happens to life. People are forced to awaken. Life itself forces them. Yoga is that scientific path that allows you to take all the changes in your life under control, in a non-violent way. I'll explain why. There is knowledge if you love to eat meat, for example. When I talk to people, they say, I can't live without meat. But after you talk to a person, you explain what is happening to his body, to his consciousness. His love is less intense for this product. He contemplates. Gradually, he will come to the conclusion that it is not good for him, for instance, like some kind of addiction, like alcohol, or etc. I mean, if we talk about what deprivation or an ascesis really is, then ascesis, which is correctly perceived, it ceases to be an ascesis for you, it becomes a part of your life. You like it, gradually the body rebuilds itself quite quickly. If a person doesn't understand why he should do this, but he is forced or he forces himself, then there is violence. It's a long process, then people either slide back into their addictions again, he didn't drink for six years and then he started drinking. In terms of your family, I know, because we are friends, that your daughter, who is already a mature and beautiful young lady, has spent the majority of her life, if not her entire life, as a vegetarian, from birth, from birth, yes. 
And she is such a vivid example. If a child is fed initially, without consuming and not using animal proteins, forcibly obtained, as I understand it, cheese, milk, you don't... yes. It is possible to raise a beautiful girl in this situation. Despite the fact that you were born and lived in such strict meat traditions, because Dagestan is all about barbecue meat, how did you transition from vegetarianism, using your example? How easy was it? How did it all happen? In my case, it was not difficult, because the aspiration that I had, the understanding I had, from the moment that I had already made the decision, I just took it and made the decision. I have no problem with that. Because when a man makes a decision, he must follow through on it. Because he is a man. Well, I agree. There are many women who are tougher than men nowadays. We can see the trend. I understood what this product is, what it represents. And going by the insight, made a decision. But I did it quick. Gradually, but very quickly. How did your relatives react? Panicking as usual. The family is large, one refuses animal proteins and has to cook separately. So how do you advise to deal with this? There were moments, I can suggest the following, via an explanation, clarification as a way to go. When the person stops eating meat, the family goes into panic. What? What to feed? He got into a cult, etc. All sorts of talks. It's because people have one problem. Ignorance is called lack of knowledge. When a family member, for example, declares that he or she will no longer eat meat, this is, to some extent, a reorganization of the entire cuisine system. Because you cook as well, as far as I know. Well, just imagine. The grocery basket changes, everything changes, yes, the mother or the spouse or vice versa may have difficulties. There are suspicions, fears and so on, because there is no knowledge. We're being forced into the concept of meat-eating, aren't we? Even when I was still living in Dagestan, one well-known person asked me, how do you live without eating meat? Because meat gives you aggression, so how do you live here without any aggression? I told him that aggression isn't strength. Strength is not aggression. Strength is true power. It's something that allows you to rise above this and all things. Aggression comes from anger. Anger, aggression are all elements of weakness. An aggressive state is the level of consciousness that is formed thanks to such products. In general, the level of aggression in society is now very high. It might sound trivial that people were nicer in Soviet times. I personally try to not use these categories, but sometimes there is a feeling that... And so it was. There is now a trend among young people who never knew what the Soviet Union was. They are trying to live like in the 60s and 50s. Yeah, it's fashionable now. Retro 80s in America, tender-hearted and all. Things like that. Light and chill, everything's calm. Why? Because people are tired of this all. Heaviness. 
clip heaviness, sonic severity, heaviness in video and audio form. It was designed with the intention of altering consciousness, and it worked to some extent, but it did not work in the favor of those who wanted it. People rushed in the other direction. This is a very good trend, I believe. At the very least, as a result of our universe exiting the dark sleeve of the galaxy, now there is more sun, more brightness, as they say, bright colors, etc. This includes the theme of vegetarianism. If we talk about the fact that a person wants to be at least sane, he needs to remove poisons and toxins from the body. And if a person eats meat, then what kind of sanity can we talk about? There is absolutely nothing of the kind. It seems to exist, yes, technically, we think to ourselves, but we don't realize that we could really have a pure consciousness if our cells, our neurons, our brain had not been fed with all this GMOs, all these chemicals plus animal proteins. And so when I stopped eating meat and simply told my mother that I would be a vegetarian from now on, she started panicking. What is she going to cook, since she wants to feed her son? Meat pies, yes, but in those moments I'd made a decision, as I said. Those moments of life, fragments when I came home and saw meat dishes, I just didn't eat them. Either I cooked for myself or my mother made something else for me separately. That certainly wasn't the variety and diversity of food, but gradually, it all changed little by little. Now, I know that your wife cooks simply luxurious vegetarian dishes. Yes, you can't complain about diversity now. There's a picture somewhere on the web, what those poor vegetarians eat. There are over 3,000 dishes that are not alike, completely different, which are made and given as an offering to the highest. It is just an indescribable scene. You can find this picture, I mean. In reality, people who understand what it is, they leave. And this departure from the old, from this damaging, destructive, this is a very good trend now, and it is all over the world. A very large number of children are born vegetarian. We have acquaintances of my wife, doctors. She has a medical background. They call her, my daughter refuses to eat meat, what should I do? This is a good trend. Regarding my daughter, then yes, we made a decision from birth, although at that time it was quite difficult. This is not something we did at our own risk, to some extent, yes. But there was confidence and conviction, even though our friends, doctors warned us, you will ruin your child's life, she will be underdeveloped, etc. But now they don't say anything about it. After all, your wife is a doctor. And in any case, there was a foundation laid, and the child's nutrition system was put in place despite the fact that there was practically nothing available in the shops at the time. It was built intuitively, and it relied on the echoes of information and, first of all, on inner feeling. Why? Because there was no internet and no cell phones. There were only books, but books were expensive. And they had to be found. They still had to be found. Therefore, it's still an inner process. Of course, information came from outside. We are grateful to those who passed it on at the time. I apologize to our viewers. 
We have a limited amount of time for our program. So I will try, I am trying, to cover the most interesting topics for you. These topics are also interesting to me. So I hope that today's program, today's episode will only whet your appetite to watch further episodes. I will move from topic to topic, it may seem a little chaotic, but everything is interlinked, especially when talking about yoga in general. We are used to chaos. The chaos, yes, but not to Dr. House. <laughs> yes, this is very important. I mean, how you perceive yoga, you've mentioned that breathing is the most important aspect of yoga, especially Kriya yoga, and that breathing naturally produces a sound, which then becomes a voice, music, mantras, and singing. This musical aspect is important enough for you, despite the fact that you are a master of Kriya Yoga, who is actively touring the world, artist on tour, yes. You perform with pretty big, musically deep concerts of spiritual music. You can try to reveal and combine this for viewers. Here is Kriya music. At one time I told you how I read books by the famous Indian Sufi Hazrat Inayat Khan, who was a musician, and thanks to him, the deep oriental Indian philosophy was discovered in St. Petersburg of the 19th century. In those circumstances, it was Sufi philosophy. What is music for humanity? Why, why is music important? By the way, Hazrat Inayat Khan received initiation from his grandfather. Grandfather was even cooler in this sense. Although Inayat Khan achieved liberation, he was a saint, a saint and a scientist. Look, this is very important. He was not a religious figure. He was a saint who was also a scientist. Beyond religion, he left a lot of works, writings, who spoke directly about the Creator, about the Highest, manifested as sound and color. Mysticism of sound. Yes, there is a book called Mysticism of Sound, a wonderful work, in fact. It is an all-filling beauty that fills the souls and hearts of people. Music is directly connected with the human soul, with the soul of the universe. We return to those sources of transmission of this infinite power of the universe. Bach, Beethoven, Mozart. Many modern composers are very advanced in this aspect. If a person is close to God or God is close to a person, this indicates that he loves music. That's why he loves music, because his soul responds to all this. There are people who don't like music. There are some. Unfortunately, this indicates that they are very far from this cosmic vibration, from the boundless power of love, because they are far from their souls, far from themselves. They have yet to come. It's a coarse vibration, a coarse consciousness. But even the crudest consciousness that hears simple forms through its ears, primitive forms of sound perception, let's call it simple sounds, not primitive, this creature hears sounds and is teared up occasionally because music has the ability to touch the most subtle, deep structures of a person.
That is why I play music. Look, not all music is alike. For example, in Islam, music has a lot of restrictions. There are nasheeds, various musical instruments like tambourines. And if we take Christian traditions, then each trend has its own, spiritual music. It might be gospel, it might be highly spiritual organ music, which hits a person like this on the head, calm down. There are different levels of perception. For example, in Islam it is considered that music is a prohibition. To say that it is right, Yes, it is right. To say that it is wrong, yes, it is wrong. It all depends on people's level of perception. Why the banning of music? Because seeing what music does in bars and restaurants with people, who drink and then start dancing, forgetting themselves, essentially, but also becoming led, in that sense, yes. In fact, I don't think it's music at all. A lot of music is created so that people, drunk and full of restaurant meat, will dance. So, in principle, any of the aspects of life has two sides. You yourself talked recently, about a year or so ago, of this trend of stomach music. Music for the stomach. Music for the stomach, yes. Basically, yes. A good state. Maybe there's nothing wrong with it. There's definitely nothing good. Why? Because yes, it definitely can be to some extent. It loosens a person up, makes him a little bit cheerful, he's stressed out there. Now you can justify anything, but you can live so as not to force yourself and not create conditions for stress. The music that you play, what is it? I'm asking the question not because I don't know, so that our viewers... I understand. I'm trying to record what I feel. Ultimately, there aren't any instruments capable of expressing everything I feel. In fact, there are none. However, today's synthesizers and live score on the instrument enables you to do something, at the very least bring it closer to 50% or 40%, to what you actually hear. For me, music is first and foremost an image. Any sounds that I create on a synthesizer or a piano appear in the form of color, color or light, in the first place. Let's say some timbre. I'm now revealing why I'm like that. The timbre that I choose, vibrato, some interesting sounds on the synthesizer. It creates a certain shape. If the shape that I see, the idea that is my music in the future, is consonant or reflected in these shapes, then I accept this sound. Because when I make a sound on a synthesizer, I begin to see shapes and images. They give rise to a whole composition this is a film. So when I see a film, I can write music for this film. It's a soundtrack, actually, which is for a film that hasn't been made yet. If I write music, then I broadcast this soundtrack as an idea into space outward in the form of this musical composition. But people have the opportunity to understand what the author, or himself as an individual who listens, can get out from this. <coughs> I notice that ideas coincide too often. But you are discussing the author's compositions, but this is an aspect of sacred music. 
Bhajans are bhajans, an aspect of sacred music. First of all, we tried to make our own arrangement. Bhajans, is it correct? Well, bhajans, bhajans, yes. These are spiritual songs. If we talk about the mantric project, then we make our own arrangements. As a rule, we change a lot. Of course, the theme can remain, but the arrangement alters the song so significantly that it becomes a new song. It is a project that enables people to get in touch with the spiritual realm, because mantras change consciousness at the cellular level for the better, and only for the better, meaning mantra is a healing force, it's a vibration, it's a sound. The sound that became a word, simply put, that is, in the beginning was the Word. Again, we are in contact with that main aspect. This word is now prayers or mantras. Man meaning mind and tra means protection, as in preventing the mind from being led, from becoming a low frequency, unclean consciousness, or from being exploited, for example, i.e. human cognitive. The person who reads or listens to a mantra, a prayer, he changes. He may not understand. There are people who say, I can't listen to this. It's driving me crazy. It indicates that a cleansing is in process. These structures need this cleansing. The reality is that Bach is very difficult for many people. The severity of it is great. Have you heard his compositions? Yes, you have to be ready, or you come out ready after his music. You may put it this way, yes, cooked, exactly, baked. We were recently in Riga, and we went into the Roman Catholic Church to listen to organ music. And a very large number of people were sitting there. I was happy to see a very large number of people who regularly go and listen to organ music on Fridays. These people live an inner creative, very spiritual life, although outwardly they are forced to do their own business. Bach's music was there, and it is very transformative, because Bach took his organ preludes from mental planes. These are highly spiritual worlds. These are highly spiritual levels of consciousness, which are very difficult for many because a lot of people are used to primitive things. So, if compared to musical pieces, listening to spiritual music or attending spiritual music concerts is comparable to tuning an instrument. During the life process, your soul is a little out of tune. You can listen to these vibrations, and they begin to adjust your internal vibrations. This is a kind of tuning fork. It is indeed. This is attunement. And even now, scientists have proven that sound and light, light in particular, light as divided into many parts, changes a person. It heals him. Now, there are a lot of studies on this topic. Now, there are very trendy life hacks. Considering the absolutely crazy times we live in, we just talked about one life hack to clean up karma and ourselves a little bit. He's listening to and going to concerts of spiritual music. Because it's one thing to listen to it on tape and another thing to feel those vibrations when they're being broadcast. And what else would you suggest to our viewers in the form of such good life hacks without taking up a lot of time? Some simple recipes in order to keep yourself in shape. Naturally, 
Personally, of course, I think to practice Kriya Yoga, at least 42 energizing. But what is the simplest, easy thing to do? The simplest thing is that I don't have time to answer. We got away from the question. You're at the very beginning, now we're back. Yes, you asked the question about breathing in the beginning, remember? Yes. When answering this question, and the one you just asked, the simplest and most practical thing is to remember to breathe. Because a person who is and is present in the breath, he receives a huge amount of energy. If a person walks in consciousness, breathing simply mechanically, his breathing is active, he loses life force. A person who is focused on breathing, his daily life changes as if he controls this process. More energy, hence more awareness. Look, a person is sitting in front of the screen. This is how I sit in front of the screen. And he is generally not present and not aware of the respiratory systems, he just breathes. He must concentrate. Depending on emotions, the cycles of breathing changes. What, sh what should he do? He should focus his attention on breathing. Listening to the interlocutor or thinking about something. So I'm listening to you, yes. And I watch, and you watch how you breathe. Your breathing happens by itself, you are just in it. But you don't wander off and don't go somewhere far away. And you don't forget the principle. And no, when a cow nibbles grass, she looks after the calf. But she does her job, she walks, looks around, but the calf is always in the field. Will the attention be scattered or through training? It's a very rapid process. To put it even more simply, we should be concentrated on the back of the head and spine. Always. Just feel. What is it for? This is a whole process. There are psychophysical transformations taking place. A lot well about that. I, I think you talk about the details in the seminars. Of course, I cover it. But if a person in everyday life is in this feeling of his presence, of his spiritual core, because the spine is a spiritual core, before asking a question, you straightened up. This happens unconsciously. I knew that you would criticize me after the shooting and the fact that I was sitting stooped. I never criticize anyone. Everyone perceives my instructions at their own request, as instruction. They perceive it as, he scolded me. No, well, I'm smiling. Well, I scold with a smile. He doesn't scold me, to be honest. So if you just concentrate on the spine, I convey it to everyone through you. This will already reduce your energy expenditure. Concentration on breathing and on the back of the head and on the spine. Yes, on the whole body as a whole. Because where your attention is, there is energy. Here is the clue. And what will happen as a result of this concentration? You will begin to feel that you are less stressed. You will begin to feel that you are less tired. It's quite a lot in modern life. If a person concentrates on what I call the forehead, occipital, spine as a whole, then he forms the principle, I am energy. It comes from within. Of course, if he reads on this topic, it will happen a little faster. Over time, he will start feeling more power. And the assemblage point will move to the concept, I am energy, and not to, I am the body. Bodies always need rest, but if I am energy, then why rest? Body is energy, isn't it? Yes and the energy never gets tired. Another interesting point, if I am energy, it opens up even more opportunities for a person. Of course, if he practices yoga, this is an even more mindful topic. But you are talking about an ordinary person who does not want to do anything, but wants to keep their life, yes. 
I am energy. This is the right thinking. You have to treat yourself right. I always talk about it. Think righteously. Righteously and righteously above all else, the I am energy principle is when you stop considering yourself a decrepit old man. No matter how old you are. The second point is that you watch your breath. Do not forget to breathe. This means you are focusing your attention on breathing, correcting it. When a person is stressed, he actively breathes. If you are focused on breathing, then you control the process. Then the stresses do not get you as before. War do not get you at all. And the third is nutrition. Then life changes. Is nutrition the most essential? The most essential point is thinking. Because if you think right, you won't eat what you don't need. And you will be in a state of conscious control of energy through the respiratory cycle. Because the number of breaths in life shortens the length of life. That is, to put it simply, a person is given a certain number of inhales and exhales in a lifetime. He can quickly breathe through them, being stressed and die. That's why we live like, why is the bar of human life being lowered? Because the amount of breath increases due to the accumulation of toxins, due to stress, informational toxins, etc., physical toxins. If you are simply in the state of I am energy, then the energy does not need such an amount of food, it does not accumulate anything. The body does not rot, bluntly speaking, because breathing is taken under control. Due to the correct attitude towards yourself, life, and what the world as a whole is. As a result, a person becomes one who realizes that I is the center of the universe, not the egoistic self, but the true self. Note, the universe is infinite, really. It is believed, of course. It has its limitations. In fact, but it is extremely large. Wherever you are, you will always be the center of the universe, because it is infinite. Everywhere there can be a center. You can argue with me, say that if I'm sitting here, I'm the center, then you're the periphery to some extent. But I can say, yes, from your point of view it is true, but from my point of view, I'm the center. Because it's not really a place in space, it's self-awareness. It's the process of who you think you are. Coming back now to my original question, where is your assemblage point now? Who do you think you are? I won't say anything about myself right now. It's just a question. I am now, you can see it, in grey. I am now like a lot of our spectators. Not in grey, because there is a lot of light here now, but here you have a huge number of colors. There is blue here, there is light blue, there are shades of turquoise. Everything glares, which is why there is no black in nature. My point is that I'm trying to ask questions that arise from the audience, from your students, who haven't been to your seminars and haven't had time for everything. I'm certain that after the seminars that you conducted in different parts of the world, your disciples, students, I really don't know how to call them. Students. Students, yes, they have already advanced and they have new questions, questions that never end. The mind always generates. Does the master have any questions for the students? For example, I am such a collective image of those guys who are now sitting behind the lens behind the screen. I don't have any questions. Why? Because when I communicate with people, 
I feel. Questions arise when, for example, you are not immersed in some process. And maybe you don't need it. I can ask what time it is, for example, if I need. But by and large, if I live in a non-time as my higher self, why should I ask about time? But there is an inner rhythm. There is a question, let's say, how long will the shoot last, for example? This is the rhythmology that we build inside us. Can I do something? The answer is yes. This is to launch this process, because there is an action inside this universe, inside our life. But in general, if we communicate, with students on more subtle levels. When a person comes to me, he comes with his questions. But almost everyone says, I had questions, it's a shame I didn't write them down, they're all gone. I say, why is it so? Well, it probably doesn't make much sense to ask them, I say, but they still made sense five minutes ago. This is about the fact that when we talk about the sublime, we harmonize. When we harmonize, questions disappear. Yes, maybe there will be more subtle questions, they will arise later. When a person leaves the field, this energy being harmoniously present, a small universe that arises. I have no questions simply because I'm not interested. First of all, everything is already clear. Is it because there is no interest at all? Isn't it boring to live without any interest? No, not questioning, not wondering. Interest is an aspect of curiosity. Inquisitiveness and curiosity are two different things, I agree. Therefore, for me, there is a creative aspect, which is associated with inquisitiveness. I am interested in this sense. Interesting is just a word, but it is an non-egoistic interest. Interest, I have no interest in anyone doing what I suggest, because I'm not offering anyone to do anything, I'm sharing my experience. This is where yoga really differs from the yoga that is presented nowadays. The yoga that is given by this speaker doesn't call for anything, it exists by itself. Whether a person wants to, whether he knows about it or not, he is always in it. The first, the second moment, is he engaged in external actions right now, performing some kind or not, he will reach it anyway. He will come to the conclusion that he has to start to do something anyway by himself, and I just share my experience. Imram, and the last one, we just need a final, to dot from the drama of what's going on. Please wish something that is warm, something elevating. If possible, wish me and through me, broadcast it to all of our viewers. I wish you only one thing. Always remember that you are God. Is it elevating? Well, I don't know. Where could it be higher? That's right, yes, because man is a mortal God. We have a direct connection. I say this as a person who carries the knowledge of yoga. Never lower this bar. You are the embodiment of this divine power, the direct expression of this power. If you keep remembering this and do something for this, you will meet with yourself. Reduce the distance between whom Ilyas is and who you really are. Always be aware of who you are, try to go towards it. This is my wish. And speaking of social life, social life will line up in accordance with the moment, when you minimize the distance between who Ilias is and who you really are.